Do you know why we named you Kamala? Your mother and I tried for years to have a second child. We'd almost lost all hope. And then you came. Oh, Peter, you were just so perfect. That's what Kamal means in Arabic. Perfect. But in Urdu, it's more like, uh, what's the word? Wonder. Marvel. Kamal means marvel. I share the same name as Carol Frickin' Danvers. I don't know who that is. But you sure are and always have been our own little Miss Marvel. Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Later in the episode, James and Abel, we are going to discuss in the big Better Call Saul return and I hope you stick around for that. Speaking of, all of us here are very delighted that Ray Sion finally got her Emmy nom. But first, I'm going to be discussing the season one finale of Miss Marvel and joining me one final time, mutation and all, <laughs> it's Farida! Guys, hello! I hope you've been enjoying all my conversations. I'm like very head brain scattered. Finished watching the episode five minutes ago. But I'm ready to talk about it. I have a lot of complaints. Guys, it's been a busy week on the podcast feed. Um, on Monday, we released the our episode on The Boys, The Boys finale. Ibuka and Obirad looked at that. So please check that out if you want the boys and you have listened to that episode. Earlier in the week, we released our Stranger Things episode on season four. More joined us for that. So please check out that episode as well if you've watched Stranger Things and haven't listened to that episode. Of course, Better Call Saul is back for its final six episodes and we're going to be covering that weekly, hopefully. So please check in with that. And if you watch season one or if you didn't and you want to go back now and finally start watching industry go watch industry because season two will be back on the first of august and we're going to be covering that weekly and you know what we might sprinkle in some house of the dragon talk as well so it's going to be a packed feed in the next few weeks so please follow us on whatever platform you're listening on right now apple Podcasts, spotify amazon Podcasts, google Podcasts, and also rate and review us that way more people get to know about the podcast so like i said later james and we are going to be discussing better calls all some big things happened in the episode. But for now, I'm going to be discussing the Miss Marvel finale with Farida. And this episode is titled No Normal. It's written by Will Dunn, AC Bradley, and Matthew Chauncey, and directed by Adil and Bilal, returning after their, their work on the pilot. First of all, before we even go anywhere, I'll just let me hold my hand up. I was wrong. The finale actually became Kamala versus Damage Control on the streets, which is not something I actually thought was going to happen, but. They did it. So. And then, who was right? You were right. Thank you. Go on. Well, so what do you think of this uh, finale, which was basically The Breakfast Club meets Die Hard meets Home Alone? What do you think of the episode? I think it was, like, very lazy writing. Um, I think they could have made the story a bit more intelligent well, not intelligent i think though i like miss marvel i always like miss marvel i just felt like this finale maybe because i watched it in like <laughs> the funniest of circumstances i just yeah i was gonna say you you did read the episode before watching the episode and i don't know i'll, I'll, I'll do your thoughts this is interesting because i believe because i believe this episode is quite universally acclaimed so like why didn't you like the episode I just thought it was, like, very lazy. I don't know. I just... It wasn't... I... Maybe I'm just used to... I just, Okay, so, okay, do you know how I can compare it to? <laughs> I hope people don't hate me. So, you know, in Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. The big ending we expected was the battle against the Iron King. The, is, the Ice King? The Iron King? What was his name? The Night King. The, the Night, Night King. King, thank you. And then, the f- after battle... 
that we thought was even going to be, that we understood should have been stronger was like Cersei versus the rest. Cersei versus Daenerys. Mm -hmm. But that, you know how that fell through and was rubbish? Well, not rubbish, but it was like, you try to do something there and to show like more of a thing, like take the story back to home and community and elements and like the whole government against Muslims and all these things, which I think are very valid things to talk about. But it just felt flat. I don't know. I don't. I think it was a waste of time. I think Marvel does have a villain problem. I think the clandestine, kind of whatever they're called, would have actually been better as the final villains. And if they just spent more time focusing on that, I think that would have been better than damage control. Yes, I really like the idea of the community being behind Kamala. Um, what else did I like? I like the fact that Zoe, because I forgot her, but she came back again. I kind of just liked that moment. But there's just some parts of it that I just felt felt really flat. I think I like the fact that she expanded as like a Kamala Khan fan. But I don't know. I just, I just didn't give. I was just like, no, I didn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> I imagine that this you is, did. Um, this is interesting to think of to to actually post an episode on this because I actually I did actually, and going into the finale as of last week, I was the one talking about the villain problem and the clandestine clandestine is not working, and you were all like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter because damage control is the real villain," mm. and so it's it's a bit interesting to see how positions have changed in in, in seven days. Um, like I don't think anything the show did this episode is different from what it's been doing. No, I think so. It, it kind of went more babyish. <laughs> I think that scene in the high in school was like the scene in the high school was some basic ass writing. Man, her brother just appears. What are you doing here? Come on, like stop. But that isn't that the show that it's told us it's been from episode one. I think it's been a bit more than that. I think that was very weirdly cute. Is that me. is this any different from is this any different from their plan to go to Avengers Con? Um, but that works for a pilot. I think that's one of a one-time show trick, if I have to be honest. I don't think you should do that all the time. You know, you don't watch Vampire Diaries, but anyone who listens who watched Vampire Diaries, there was a scene where Damon could like control the crow and they never did it again. And I think that should have been what they did here, which was something that, okay, this was a pilot thing to get you all I, engaged and blah, blah, blah. But we, I don't need to see it again. So what is, it, what is the thing that you're having problem with? The fact that they are in the school and it's a home alone style kind of plan or against damage control? What, I, think what, it it felt, I think it felt childish. I felt the writing felt kind of lazy and it was a dragged out scene. I think that, I think everything just felt ridiculously dragged out to me. I think, honestly, I mean, I am no writer. I'm just a girl. Um, <laughs> but I think I would have preferred it if they flipped. And they, obviously not, because that wouldn't work. I would have preferred if Damage Control was the villain before the clandestines were the villains. Yeah. I mean, the clandestines were terrible villains. We can't really, like... Yeah, but I don't think Damage, I think Damage Control... I think they're, on paper, they were great villains too, but I don't think I like the way they were executed. But what you're, what you're talking about is not about the villains, it's about the show and the whole sequel. Like, it doesn't matter who the villains are. It's the fact that you're, in your words, the show is going in a childish route and... No, I don't think the show is going in a childish route in its entirety. I just think that the finale was a bit childish. But I guess the show is also for children. I'm actually a nag buyer to a certain degree. So, um, yeah, I, I, I find it interesting that this is a thing that I get to sneak it this way. No, 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 no. That you have, that you're having, that you're like pointing out as having problems with, because to me, it's like the show has always said this was what it was, which was why even when it goes to Pakistan, I'm, a, I feel like it's a bit, it's a different show because I feel like that was the oh, outlier. That's her killing people. And, okay, yeah, in time, but that, not even does that. Like it, it always, always this show about. To me, it was always this show about this girl and her family and her community trying to be or trying to live up to what she thinks a hero would be. So it's or would do. So it's like, so. Okay. But uh, so I. That's valid. 
Uh, yeah, I don't. You don't understand. It's, it's a weird way to. It's a weird way to approach the discussion because it seems like the central thing you have a problem with is like obviously something like actually weirdly is probably the thing that I thought the show always did best, and it's just like and that whole Bruno Nakia Kamala relationship and storylines and things like that. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I do. I just I don't know. I just expected more. I mean, I reference that the show is, or rather, this episode was like the Breakfast Club meets Home Alone meets Die Hard, mm. two of which are like strongly coming of age stories written by John Hughes. So, like, it's like that was that was always the vibe I got from the show, especially this episode. So, um, I'm just a bit surprised that you've obviously been on board for five episodes and then some, somehow the train just like you just knocked, just got knocked off on the train in, in this final episode. That's very interesting to me. Mm. It might be my agenda, but there is no way the fact that you read the entire synopsis or the plot of this episode before watching it did not affect, like, 100% affected your your perception of the episode. I don't, it's interesting to see what, like, the you, the fighter in the multiverse would just watch the episode, thinks of the episode. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, like, look, I I have my problems with the clandestines. Just, if we're just going to skirt a bit to, to them, I, I still don't think, I think, Anytime Najma is mentioned in this episode, it just doesn't make sense. Anything that happened in episode five doesn't like. Oh yeah, that was so. With the veil doesn't make sense. I still, I still think anything about the clandestines and all that doesn't make sense. But I've, I've, I've said that before. But I just still think I think that everything else that the show does outweighs the things that I think are the bad thing, which is the villain. I'm, I mean, I'm. I was happy that Cameron didn't. They didn't make Cameron go full hill because even. The part here that he was doing, I, I, I'm not sure I believed it. So I'm happy that at least there might be, like he went to Pakistan to at least try and I guess figure out the hold of his powers. Um, what did you like from this episode? I liked Kamala's hand expanding. I liked um, her mom and dad and their reactions. As I said before, I really I liked that family scene. Kamala's story is a story of family and community. And I really fuck with that. Um, what else do I like? I like the fact that they fired Agent Diva. I like the fact that Arian Moyad's character is not bad. And I think that's because he's going to be shown, he's gonna, we're going to see him again. So they try to be like, this guy's not necessarily a bad mm-hmm. guy. He's damage control. But like, mm-hmm. he just wants to do damage control. Um, I was thinking about, even you mentioning the family thing, I was thinking about it when I was watching the episode, and I think it's, it's interesting because I don't even know if, like, obviously, in the MCU trilogy for Peter Parker, I may find out at the end of the first ep- the first Spider-Man film, um, Homecoming, and then she's barely in two because they're in Europe. But then it, but it's interesting to me just, like, seeing the parents and the brother and the sister-in-law, just everyone being involved in, like, Kamala's crime-fighting like to uh, i don't think i've seen that before i don't think the fact that her mom is so so highly responsible for her costume her dad is so highly responsible for her name like they're there on the front line supporting her her community like most times a hero like this a a quote-unquote street level hero like (laughs) the reactions from the community are usually divided right these other people are like oh he's helping us or or he's a menace he's a vigilante right that that goes for everyone from Daredevil to, to Spider-Man. So it's interesting that like everyone is just fully on her side here. I think, um, and that's why I call myself an Agbaya, you have to remember the audience that Kamala really is for is for young girls who are trying to, well, what I believe it is, what I think it is, is young girls who are trying to find a place to belong to and young girls who want who searching for community and family and feel like maybe they're slightly, especially like second gens, they're slightly different from their parents and stuff. So she's a symbol of hope to me. I hope that the people watching her recognize she's a symbol of hope to many and that their lives can be that way and your community can accept you and you can find love and happiness in family and community. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I, I, the show highlights both her actual family in terms of blood family and her found family, either it's mm-hmm. with Bruno and Nakia and even Zoe or with the people at the mosque. Yes. Or the other. So I, I just, yeah, that, that scene really reminded me a lot. It lo- reminded me a lot of the scene in, I think, Spider-Man 2 when on the train 
I mean, also in that scene, is there a bit of propaganda? Yeah, of course, it's Marvel. But you know what? Some some things we just mm-hmm. we just let let it slide. Um, Nakia didn't become a villain, so that was nice. That was nice. Oh, I hope um, she becomes a villain. I love friends turned to villains. Oh my god, I love that stuff. Did you watch Jessica Jones? Yes, and I. You think that was good? I don't think it was good, but I like the idea of it. So you know how Trish turns into a villain? Yeah. I liked that. Because Trish's storyline, right, was great. Because she started off as like some kind of hero. And everyone was like, yeah, she's a hero. But actually, like, she was a punisher kind of like going into like crazy mode. And I think that is a really good storyline. Because I really liked Trish in season one. And I really thought, oh my gosh, you're a hero. Like, I want you to have powers. And then powers corrupted her and she ended up going to prison. I think that's great. I think that's a great story. Not every time the other way around. Did they execute it perfectly in season three? I wish they could have done better, but I like the idea. I like the idea. Guys, tune in for Farida's um, offshoot Jessica Jones podcast. <laughs> Should we talk about the, the M word? Did you say M or N? M. Oh, thank God. Why are you talking about the N-word? N yeah, I was lost. Oh, I don't know, man. Amir kept asking if he might have powers too. And I think we might have had it wrong the first time around. What do you mean? So we know why you have access to the Noor and how you can wield it. But when I compared you to the rest of your family, something still seemed off. Okay. Kamala, there's something different in your genes. Like... Like a mutation. So, Bruno says that there's a bit of a mutation in Kamala's genes. Mm-hmm. Much to the gasp of a thousand people on the internet. <laughs> myself included. I mean, look, you might, you can say this show is for young girls trying to find themselves. But when Bruno says mutation, and I hear that riff from the X- X-Men 97 cartoon, like, look. I'm, well, mm-hmm. whatever little girl in me is going to come out and jump. <laughs> um, look, I have no... It's, it's, what do you think? What do you think of that? Reveal, decision, thoughts? I, oh, I'm going to say something you're not going to like or the little girl in you is not going to like. I you, think... can, you, you can say it. Of course, I'll still say it. I just want you to know you may not like it. Um, I think it confuses me. Maybe I'm not too sharp. So, Kamala's ancestors are Jin. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But the genes, they also want her to be a mutant. Why? So, how are they going to explain all other mutants if mutants from what we know is like something biologically in people's bodies yeah well mutant is just having a mutation of your genes right so if it can happen to a human being it can happen to a part human being so everyone in her family is because by your logic everyone if amir wore the bangle then he should have have the powers as well so you're saying that separately she would have still had the powers if she didn't no, have I'm saying, the gin in her well I don't know because she's a gin well, I'm saying that like yeah. they are all gin in her family okay Amir Muniba they're all gin but she's the only one who has the powers because she has that mutation but then okay how I'm interested to see how other mutants are mutants is what I will say yeah, of, yeah, of course. Did you like it? I think you really liked it. Am I downing your mood? No, no, you're not. You're not downing my mood. Trust me, I've I've been on the internet all day since I watched the episode, so I don't think that you're going to say. No, I liked it. I liked it not because I'm like obviously I have no comics connection to Kamala, so I'm not like ah oh, she has to be an inhuman, whatever. I liked it because it's interesting. It's an interesting development. It also signals what we know it signals, which is that look, the mutants are coming. Yes, I. I dreaded the fact that maybe the first time we hear mutant would be some guy in Canada w- with a deep voice saying, 
um, Logan. Like, I, I, I like the fact that we're hearing mutants the first, like, it's not from the X-Men that we're hearing the word mutant or mutation or whatever. Like, it's being introduced into the universe. I don't know. I think, I think it's exciting. That's the word to use. Like, I, I think, like, the, the air has been pumped into the balloon. Is it going to pop? Maybe. Maybe the execution will be terrible and it won't be, it won't be a good reveal. But for now, we're just floating, right? The air is just in the balloon and we're floating because it's exciting. It's an exciting reveal. Like, oh, wow, the X-Men are here. I mean, and I think that then goes into the fact, like, if we then lead to the mid-credit scene, mm-hmm. which is obviously when some shit happens. I don't know. I can't tell you what happens. But then Carol Danvers, played by Brie Larson, appears in Kamala's room and Kamala is somewhere. Again, that's another thing. I mean, that's another thing that is like, that's an exciting post-credit scene. God knows, maybe maybe the Marvels is going to be terrible. I don't no, know. But for now, don't say that. I don't think the Marvels no, will be terrible. I, obviously, I hope it's, it's not. I'm just saying, even, maybe it's going to be terrible. But for now, we're, I'm excited. That's exciting, right? That's an exciting development. I'm like, oh, wow, what's going to happen? It's next year. I can't wait to see Iman Villani play against Brie Larson and like what happens in Tiana that scene. Paris as well. And Tiana Paris. So it's like, I don't know, it's exciting. It's, I... I did I think Brie Larson was going to cameo in Miss Marvel? No. You didn't? Did I think that was good? What? 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 This is, this, is what? One of, this is one of those things. This is one of those things where the more you know, like, the less you know, if I, if I can put it. Like, like, the normal MCU watcher, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they're doing Miss Marvel show. So, yeah, of course, Brie Larson is going to cameo in it in the end in post-credits or whatever. That, that makes sense. But then... If you're someone who follows this thing, you're like, no, it's very unlikely that they will put a big name Avenger in a TV show based on a character that a lot of people don't really know. It's like, can I, is it like, can I really happen? It's the same argument against, for example, Reed Richards turning up in WandaVision. You're like, oh no, it's Disney Plus. They might not put a big person there. Might not connect. So like, the more you know those things, you're like, oh wait, it doesn't really make sense. And then they go and do it. I so. think you're so wrong. I think I, I so expected Miss Marvel to be there. Like, so Captain Marvel to be there. You don't okay. You don't want you didn't read the comics. That's her girl. <laughs> That's her homeboy. Like I knew it. And I'm so I was so unshocked. I was so so unshocked. I can't believe you were shocked. What did you think the it's main not, scene was gonna be? That's what I'm trying to say. So I knew the scene would be something that relates to the Marvels. Or maybe Secret Evasion, but most likely the Marvels. But it's the it's the inside baseball of it. It's the like knowing the industry working and then like, are they actually gonna get Brie Larson to appear in a TV show like that's not like yeah it's Marvel but that's that's like a weird thing to happen actually so far in the Marvel run where we've not got those kind of cameos in TV shows right it's always been ooh, there's no big name cameo like that in a TV shows so it's like oh wait, is that actually going to happen and then it happens so I, um, I think this makes sense I hope my baby Kamala is okay. Like, where is she? You know, Miss Marvel doesn't like safety. Where did they take my I'm girl sure to? I'm sure, she, I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm sure wherever she is, she'll, she'll charm whoever she's against and they would like her and they will free her because that's just how good she is. I find it funny, like, as I said, that Iman Villani was laughing because I would also just be laughing. <laughs> They're like, yeah. I'm, they're going to tell you that you're a mutant and you're going to have to act like it's nothing, even though you like know what it means. Yeah, yeah. I think, because um, I don't know if it's the same article, but like that was obviously referenced from, I think, from the Marvel.com website. And then she was talking about how just like what you mentioned about how they couldn't get through the scene because they were just like so giddy. But she was also like, just like everyone on set that day, like crew, just was just like, everyone was just like, excited about the fact that we're going to mention that like so you probably have like a gap like the camera operator on one side or all the, the sound recorders on the other end just like oh wow this actually saying this word um well i'm sad you you didn't like this finale but i love miss marvel i sound like i didn't like the finale and i think it's rubbish i didn't like the finale and like that was like because 5.5 out of 10 that's rubbish you know what when you're in a better state of mind less hay feverish <laughs> just go read up a few stuff see some of stuff on twitter then go back like maybe like a few days and just rewatch the episode and see if your thoughts change okay i probably won't do that but thank you for well that's my job my job is to, is to make recommendations that nobody follows oh don't say that oh. i'll maybe follow it one day i'll mm. probably want to watch miss marvel again okay anyway uh yeah 
Okay. Um, Farida, thank you so much for actually like sticking with me five out of six weeks. That was that was very that was very He's impressive. Welcome. I didn't. It was fun. I thought you were gonna run away after like week two. <laughs> no, I didn't that laugh sounds like that. Away. That laugh sounds like you considered it. So no, we, um, you know, you and me, we got to places where it may not have worked. Today was like a, it was a funny one. But I'm happy to be here. I'm happy we got to do it. I'm glad you accepted my invite. What like what like two months ago? Yeah. And of course, I, I hope we'll have you back on the podcast soon. And. We're still yet. We're definitely gonna have Ore on the podcast soon as well. Please, yes, so, have my home go. Um, and invite me back for season two if I can. You never actually know where you're going to be in years, do you? Yeah, I mean, we don't even know when this season two is coming out. So, yeah, but of course you'll be. Uh, Jesus, no, but it'll probably be 2024 because Miss, the Marvels will be next year. So, like Miss Marvel will probably be 2024 or late late 23. Um, thank you to my guest and Miss Marvel partner, Farida. Thank you, um, my colleague, for making me laugh. Wait, can't I do my own back? No. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you for stalking and finding me to beg me to be here. I um, really appreciate. A lot of <laughs> verbs you're using that I don't really agree with, but okay. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for finding me. I've had a great time. And I hope that you take me back and this is great and I loved it. You introduced me to Mo and streamers and all the amazing things. No and way. you're pretty cool. So thanks. Okay. Well, thank you. You're very cool as well. You see, I said very. You said pretty. <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much. And of course, guys, please go look out for High and Ores podcast. Yes, and also look out for my streamer's article. I'm going to write something about Issa Rae's new HBO. Sorry, just to like advertise, but I'm going to write something about Issa Rae's new rap show called Rap Shit. I'm really enjoying watching it. I can't wait to read, to write about it. Boom, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so thank you to Farida. Guys, if you are a Better Call Saul fan, which... I think there are like three people in that in that Venn diagram of, of Peter Corsol and Miss Marvel. But if you're one of those three, <laughs> please don't forget to listen to Obira and they will be talk about Peter Corsol later on. And yeah, guys, please just again, thank you to the guest who's on the next segment, Ibube. So as always, guys, please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening and join us next week. And of course, I'll be joined by the star of Jordan Peele's upcoming film, Nope, Daniel Kaluuya. God, please. Bye, guys. And breathe. <laughs> what an episode. What an absolute episode, man. Truly. Yeah, it feels like I've just finished like a long-ass marathon because that was an absolute episode. Um, yeah, we were talking about Better Call Saul, the return of Better Call Saul for its final half-season. I'm talking about the latest episode, episode eight, which is called Point and Shoot, written by Gordon Smith and directed by Vince Gillian. And yeah, I'm Jibs and I'm joined by Ibube. How's it going, Ibube? I am breathing quite heavily, mentally, emotionally, physically. <laughs> uh, quite a lot has just gone down, but we move. Yeah, let's, let's go straight into it. What a fucking episode, man. Jeez, would you say this was like the most breaking bad? of all Better Call Saul episodes. Because I felt like I had that rush, that adrenaline rush in my system when the Lalo and Gus Frank showdown was going on. Plus, sort of, um, there was sort of cutting between like Mike also trying to like figure out what the fuck is going on and how Lalo had literally played him. Yeah, it was, I, I think it's very high up there um, on the list of Better Call Saul-esque or Game of or rather, Breaking Bad-esque Better Call Saul episodes, I I have to commend the writers because they said that as this season ends, you'll start to really see where the two shows intersect. And I think with this, with the start of this half season, we're starting to really, really feel that. Because at every point in this episode, I was like, like I would see something and, you know, I'd, I'd think, okay, could this be what's about to happen? And then I start to feel dread. Mm-hmm. And then what I was thinking might happen mm-hmm. would then happen. And it was almost like 
it, it's so interesting because they didn't even have to hide things too much. It was like they set something up and then it slowly happens and they've done all the work and this whole episode was kind of just like payoff. Yeah. S- seeing how it's car at the beginning at, on that beach, you just knew something was going to be done with that. And it reminded me of the whole thing they did before Nacho was killed. This is, that's a good point to raise. I think it's, it's worth noting. I've mentioned it before that this was written by Gordon Smith, who also wrote um, The Rock and mm-hmm. Hard Place, which was the episode where... Um, when Nacho was killed. Nacho was killed. There we go. Thank you. Liam just left my mind. <laughs> and he also directed that episode as well. So, and it sort of both starts with, both episodes start with... Foreshadowing foreshadowing exactly the whole yeah. episode the result of the episode the events of, after the episode yeah then you sort of because you're like what's going on here silence aftermath yeah and it's like because you sort of keeps you engaged on how do we get to this point and we sort of spoke about it in previous breaking back um better call Saul episodes on how this show is really concerned about the setup and taking through that yeah. setup and showing you everything and why everything is happening and what this leads to this and why this sort of thing leads to another thing. And it's just a good testament to everyone involved, plus the acting as well. Is there's some really good acting in this in, in this episode. Yeah, you could you could really feel people's stress every step of the way. I think there was a moment where I think uh it, it was while Gus and Lalo were speaking. And I just remember thinking, wow, this dude really just is the yeah. scariest Salamanca. He just he just is. I mean, he he can just the compartmentalization and I don't even know if it's compartmentalization. I think what makes it scary is that he's not compartmentalizing. He is literally he's literally having fun doing one thing and then doing the next and then just moving on with his life. You know, he shoots Howard and then he starts smiling and giving instructions and you're like he didn't really need to kill Howard, but he just no. did because he was there. Yeah. And I think that's the tragedy of Howard's death. The fact that it was quite literally a wrong place, wrong, wrong place, wrong time type of thing. Honestly. And you can see that tragedy at the end in Mike's face in Mike's when face, they like yeah. when the music comes on and they're showing Howard's body and like Howard and Lalo, like two different worlds clashing just buried together under yes. this place. And Mike <laughs> is looking like, yo. What have we done here? Like, what is all this? It was pretty, yeah, man. You could just see, because like he was even telling the diggers, like, easy on the body, easy on the body. Yeah. And just see like the whole, just the dread on his face. Do you reckon that sort of reminded him of like how, like his own family, for example, um, mm-hmm. so his daughter-in-law and his granddaughter, how, I mean, innocent people could get in the way of things. Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of, it all sort of came together for him in that in that kind of way. Yeah, I think it it's the type of thing that would really make him reflect. Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of the stuff that he does, you know, he Mike throughout the story, this Barack Obama or Breaking Bad, he said that everything he was doing, he was doing for his family. Like I've said before, that Mike is kind of what Walter thinks he is. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of one of the That's reasons yeah. Mike despises Walter so much. Like Walt says that everything he's doing is for his family and for the future, but it's actually because he's an egomania, right? And he loves it. Yeah. Whereas well, for it's Mike, the first time he's feeling alive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in Mike's case, he's reluctantly doing all these things so, yeah. to ensure that he can provide for them because he wants to make sure that they're taken care of. Which is why it's kind of interesting at the end of Breaking Bad that you know. Walt's family does get the money. He, he he finds some convoluted way to make sure that they get it and they're forced into taking it. Yeah. yeah. But but Mike loses everything. His family doesn't get that money and they barely even know what happens to him. And he just tells Walt, like, you know, just let me die in peace. Yeah. And that was that, that was kind of weird because senseless death as well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all sen- senseless. And I think with Mike, because he has that mindset. You can tell that for him, he he is actually compartmentalizing. Like everything he's doing here, he's trying to make sure it's done cleanly, discreetly, so it doesn't affect what's going on on the outside. Whereas yeah. for Lalo, everything is all at, is, is is all in one because he doesn't really register consequences. He's that arrogant and confident. For Lalo, there is no such thing as a consequence because he can either pay something away or kill it. So 
with Mike, that's how he handles he, his problems. That's how he handles everything. Yeah, and in in Mike's case, it's kind of like you know, all of this is on one side, all of this is on the other. And looking at Howard's body right next to Lalo is telling him these things really can intersect if you're not paying enough attention. Yeah, I mean, Lalo, I mean, Howard literally did not know what hit him. No, he may have realized it towards the end, but this is a guy he's never seen before, whose actions have affected his own life, not to his knowledge. Yeah. And he never got to know any of that. All because Kim and Jimmy decided to have some fun. This is just like, it's, it's tragic in a lot of ways. I mean, it was brilliant acting. You could just see er- no dialogue was needed. Just good three, four second shots of his face. And that's all you yeah. need to tell you the whole story. Um, yeah. I think it was quite, um, it was quite cool seeing the opening of the episode where it opened with that um, candle from the last episode. Yes. Yes, because that candle was a very good storytelling device, and I like still, still the same size. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool, and it's good because it tells us that no time has passed; that we're continuing right no, where we left this off. This is like straight after. Yes, That's, it's a good storytelling device. What do you think of Lalo's plan? Well, this is one of the things I've been reflecting on more because he's a really smart guy, and I think his plan was actually really good. I'm just not sure it was foolproof. Mm-hmm. For a guy who makes preparations the way he does, I feel like this was kind of half-baked. I think there's a certain irony to being that smart and then reaching your demise because you overplayed your hand. Right. You know, everything ended up working. Yeah. He could have killed this guy, gone with his video, and just left on his merry way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then he decides to savor it. You know, he gives Gus enough time to you know think about things. I think. I feel like at some point we even see when Gus puts that gun there. Yeah. And it's just, it's just crazy seeing how such things pay off because he had, you know, Gus is always trying to think ahead and he had a feeling something weird might happen. Mm -hmm. And because he's so involved in what's going on in his organization, he oversees everything. He's able to know exactly how to, you know, trip off that power switch. I think they showed it in a previous episode. Yeah, they showed him just coming there to stand and look around. And you're like, is he, you think he's just like, he's just taking it all in. He's checking that things are going well, but he's also doing due diligence. He's preparing for the worst case scenario. And that has literally saved his life in this particular situation. Yeah. And I think that's funny. I mean, the fact that he says, you know, he's going to tell Hector that he was the one who buried all the Salamancas and he knew he was going to do that. Literally, Lalo gets buried, but I wasn't sure Lalo was going to die this quickly. Um, in terms of episode count, I guess. Um, I, but I like I like that though. I, I really like. Yeah, it. I, I do. I like when I like when shows just don't like finales are good, right? But like it doesn't everything doesn't have to all lead to a finale. Something like just make things happen. Just show us good TV. If someone dies in the first episode or the fifth episode. If it all aligns with or makes a good story, then that should be fine. Which is why I was really happy that like um, Game of Thrones. Um, I think it was it Joffrey. Joffrey died in episode four or something. Epi- yeah, it was like episode two of season four, what, The Lion and the Rose. Four, season four, episode two. And you're like, wait, whoa, what's going on here then? I mean, repercussions from that might lead to something else, which sort of brings us back to this. Howard is dead. Lalo is dead. And we still have about six episodes. And that's just exciting, isn't it? Because you knew something was going to happen to Lalo. You just knew. At one point, I thought, okay, is this where Kim dies to? Is she just going to open that door? And then they, and then Gus decides, okay, if she does, she has to die because now she's seen me. But she didn't see Gus. I'm pretty sure if she had seen the real Gus, that'd be the end of her. Yeah. Um, because he is also ruthless in that way. Um, so at least Kim is still kicking around for now. Anyway, we don't know what happens. So I think she's the last person. She's the last new character whose fate yeah. we don't know yet. We've seen what happens to Nacho. We've seen what happens to Lalo. I didn't know how long he'd last, but I think it makes a lot of sense that he would die essentially this same day just because of the way he overplayed his hand. I mean, he was kind of running all over the place. It's it's quite a string of events, really. And I think the, you know, he said he needed evidence. That's the word he's been using like all season. Mm-hmm. And I guess he wanted to show about, like he wanted to show Don Eladio and the other guys, the, the meth lab. And in a sense, it's like, why are you snitching? You know, like this has well, nothing to do with the organization. Well, they are, I mean, they are en- en- enemies though, aren't they? So it's like, they're, I mean, yeah, they are enemies they and he wants to, pressure or something like that. yeah, <laughs> he, he wants him to look bad for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if 
Gus necessarily wanted to cut Don Eladio out of the business, at least not with meth. I, but I think it was kind of a situation of he doesn't have permission to go into other business ventures without um, including the head of the organization. So because he wants, they, they all want him out, or the chicken man as they call him, mm-hmm. you know, he decides to go the extra mile just to make sure he can show the evidence as if Don Eladio really needs it. I mean, Don Eladio doesn't really move anywhere anyway, but he spends so much time taking that video that, um, you know, it, it kind of ends up being the end of him. I think the video is an all right idea, especially if Fring dies right then and there. Yeah. But then it's like, like okay, how do you get out? What can you do as Lalo yeah. to get to Gus Fring and, you know, top of his position? Yeah. I mean, using Kim as bait to get those guys to come to the apartment. Yeah. So that, like, he could then go to laundry. That was a nice touch. That was very Lalo of you, Lalo. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I liked, I just like the whole cut in between scenes between Lalo trying to get to, to the Met Lab. Then there was Gus trying to figure out what's going on. There was Mike trying, you know, going from place to place, also trying to figure out. Yeah. Mike was stressed. The Mike, it was a massive distraction right now. And it's my too late or anything. So that was just, I mean, talk about tense. I've only been tense for a couple of things in my life, but that was a really tense episode. Yeah, for sure. Exhausting, exhausting, really exhausted. Let's talk about Kim and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. This has to be the beginning of the end for Kim or Kim and Jimmy or both. And I'm really worried. Man. This is a bit too much trauma for Kim all at once. I'm really worried. I'm really worried because we know, like you mentioned that well, Kim wasn't part of Breaking Bad and Kim is like the last main character of Better Call Saul, who wasn't part of Breaking Bad. And yep. it's like, you know, you don't want to sort of guess too much or anything because you still want to have, you still want to know and you still want to know how it happens. Exactly. But it's like, I don't even know what happens. It's like, does she leave or does she die? Is it just better for my health that I don't think about these things and I just watch the damn episodes <laughs> every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overthinking it will definitely drive you mad because... I mean, just just wondering how all of that will intersect. Even when Walt and Jesse come in, I wonder if Kim has something to do with that. Yeah, you know, th- there's just th- there's just so much because I think I've seen so many weird theories that like you know maybe she actually breaks bad and joins the villains, but like I don't think there's anyone mm. left for her to join. So it's either she goes away forever, or she goes to prison, or she dies. Um, and it's like those three options are not. Great. Yeah, none of them is really great. <laughs> but I, I wonder if she's actually dead, though. Because, you know, the Saul we know in Breaking Bad, you know, we don't really see any Jimmy in him. Whereas now the Jimmy we know, we can see we can see Saul there. Yeah. He's still switching back and forth. Whereas in Breaking Bad, he's all Saul Goodman. So some type of event probably killed the last bit of Jimmy in him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that could be like a death of Kim or a betrayal from Kim. It could be a whole host of things. I mean, at the start of this season, we see that their dream house and the Zafira Nieho bottle cap and everything going on mm-hmm. um, with, the, with the cleaning crew. And something clearly happens there, but we don't know what. Something was, re- whether it's a repossession, whether it's an abandonment of the home, yeah. whether it's something else. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either way, things don't really bode well for Kim, and as such, things don't bode well for her relationship with Jimmy. Gus, where does he go from here? Well, I guess most people did think that Lala was dead anyway. Yeah. The only person who didn't think he was, or who knows he's still alive, are, well, he's alive. Hector and. Gus's team. And Gus's team. And as of like maybe two hours ago, Jimmy. <laughs> but <laughs> So it's like his death probably won't change that much. Yeah. Change anything that much in relation to like the whole, you know, cartel business. So so it's like what's what are the repercussions of Lalo's death? Cause I mean, Mike told Jimmy and Kim to, you know, tomorrow's a new day, act like nothing ever happened. You can literally say the same thing to Gus. Yeah. Like, like nothing ever happened, but if, he if just needs to recover. He has to go and shut in his, in his torso. So how can, you know, yeah. what's, I mean, what's Lyle is having the opportunity of his life running that store. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know that he's actually going to be able to to create next week's schedule before tomorrow's close, but we'll see. <laughs> I trust Lyle. Um, looking for looking forward, it's like I can't believe I'm repeating this again, but I can't believe I still still have six episodes, man. It's really really great because when when so much has been paid off, especially in a single episode like this, mm-hmm. everything coming is really uncharted territory. Now there's, I mean, there are so many things that we're like, okay, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? We've gotten most of those answers. Yeah. So it's like now like everybody's kind of running blind. I think that's a good thing. That's I think, a really good thing, I think it's good for us to, you know, explore new stuff together as an audience yeah. without having to theorize too much about what's going on. Um, that way we can all have like new opinions on things. We can see is, like, new cause, connections. Because we, we have history with these writers, directors. There's also that tendency for things to be rushed. Yeah. Because maybe they're trying to ask new questions and answer them in six episodes. But because these guys are really, really good at what they do, I trust that we'll get the right questions asked and the right payoffs at the end. Because that's what's, because these guys are just masterful at TV. Professionals, man. Professionals. It's levels, it's levels to the shit. It's levels to the shit. Um, yeah. Uh, is there any, any other like, points you want to touch on regarding the episode i really really like i really like how something like the whole last 10 minutes of the show was insane in the credits yeah. it's just no music whatsoever just you know <laughs> just credits just not i think that was cool it just gives you time to just because you're like you know panting is like after like after a sprint you're like shit what the hell just happened and it's just silence in the room the end is very well done, you know, because um, b- I think it's because of Mike's pain, not just because mm-hmm. of the bodies, right, but also because of Gus's behavior. Yeah. Because he, he goes, he's like, I, he, I told you to hunker down in the house. Yeah. Why, how did you know he was going to be at the laundry? I didn't. I just went. So you could have died. And he's like, okay, well, I didn't though. And that's very annoying for somebody who's trying to do a job that you've hired them to do. Yeah. You know, at some point in Breaking Bad, we see Mike lose a lot of we see that he's lost essentially all the light from his eyes. You know, he's just somebody who's like trudging along robotically. Whereas even in this side of his work, like in the Gus side, he did have some like professional pride. He had some, I mean, pride of craftsmanship is a great thing. And I think Mike had that in, he has it in everything that he does, Mm -hmm. whether it's like building something for his granddaughter, um, killing a guy without him knowing what's going on or just, you know, collecting parking tickets. He's just doing what he's doing. And, you know, we see that there's this dissent that he has for the way Gus does things, which is why it's very clear to us throughout Breaking Bad that he's there reluctantly. And I think this season we've been seeing the seeds planted of that dissent. We've been seeing how he disagrees with what Gus does, um, whether it's in terms of how he deals with Salamancas, whether it's in terms of how he he didn't protect Nacho, um, or whether it's like, you know, with this, it's like, you know, you want me to do something here. You're making it difficult for me to do it. And then you get mad at me when it's not done, when you are the problem. Like, pick a side, bro. Sort of like, that type of thing. It's a bit arrogant, isn't it? And uh, yeah. someone comes to bite him in the arse and breaking bad. It's really funny how, like, there were some spots on here that reflected what we saw in breaking bad. Like, there was that part where Jimmy, well, was tied up, then he fell down. And he was like mm-hmm. his face right in front of Howard's face. And that reminded me of that Ozymandias, um episode. Yes. With Walt. I think that was, a, that, that was a good callback to that. that I liked that a lot. A lot of callbacks. Man. A lot of callbacks. I like when like, you know that Leo, you know that Leo, Leo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where you point at the screen? <laughs> I've been seeing that all over Twitter today, actually. Just literally today. I don't know what it is with people want liking that today. but But yeah, I mean... It's it's just it's just so interesting. I mean, even right down to Lalo predicting correctly, you know, when Jimmy's like send her, and you know, and you know that he's saying that because he wants her to be safe, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think from a writing perspective, that's good because it shows us how Kim would handle such a situation, mm-hmm. whether she's capable at all of like pulling a trigger. And you knew that Mike was going to stop her. Like you, we always knew that that was going to be the case. But I like how they showed that Lalo was somewhat right about her potentially deviating from the plan. When she sees police and then she winds yeah. the window down and she's about to talk and she's like, nah, I can't do that wow. because she's thinking of Jimmy. And Jimmy. it's, yeah, it's, that was really, I really like, I really you like know, accurate in terms of character. 
yeah, she could have just told the police and everything and I've just been messed up. But it would lead to so many problems, though. That would lead to so many problems, man. Christ. I think I might even hate Kim for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, so many problems. I, Kim for I mean, everybody would come for her. Like, <laughs> it would essentially sign her death warrant because if Lalo survives that she's dead, if, uh, because the police aren't going to kill him, they're just going to arrest him. And then if somehow Lalo still manages to die, then it will reflect, I mean, somehow it will blow back on Gus and then he would want Kim dead. It's just, like it just wouldn't have helped. Pandora box of shit, man. That's what it would. That's what it would. That's what it would. Um, Truly. But yeah, man, that of course, I'm really looking forward to talking about this like week after week. Um, I'm sure we'll probably have you again. Or Always happy to come back. To talk about like one of the best TV yeah. shows on it's nice to have this back there's been a lot of tv madness lately i mean watching the boys week to week was actually <laughs> that show was a lot this season we literally just did it's like they, they took everything and dialed it to 12 <laughs> it was hero, wild I'm still, I'm still recovering from that hero guys in episode man i can't believe i can't believe so to come back and watch that so much like i my, i had to wash my eyes it's like i've seen things on tv i've been scarred you know and that guy opened the door and that thing came out and i was just like ah. yes I I was like, ah. it's like this dude is still alive love I, sausage is alive i was so i really wanted to like just fast forward like just get me out of here <laughs> watch this. yeah i mean the twists about like parenthood i mean you can see that the theme of the of the of the season really was family you know yeah, that's what family we choose the family we don't choose yes. what we do with that information what we do with the cards that we're dealt and you know we start to see that i mean People started having conversations about how Homelander might not be the real villain. I mean, he never really was. He doesn't have as much agency as he think he does. Thinks he does. Um, Vought is the villain. So I mean, you know, Gus Fring's evil twin. It's be interesting to see what he does there. Yeah, um, Giancarlo Esposito, man, one of the best actors of all time. Excellent, excellent guy. Thank you, Ubi, for doing this. Really enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure, as always. This is Better Call Saul, season three, episode eight. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, send us hate, send us compliments, send us recommendations, yeah, reach out, um, and we'll probably be back next week um, with another episode of Back Hustle and more. Plus, we'll have like an exclusive interview with our best actress, Sydney Sweeney. Bye, guys. Can't wait. <laughs>